Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast, where our goal is to explore biblical worldview and servant leadership to equip you for everyday influence. Here's your host, author and director of cultural engagement, Jonathan Morrow. We are so excited that you are joining us for a special episode of the Impact 360 Institute podcast. This week's episode, we will be interviewing one of our founders, Trudy Kathy White. Now, Trudy is a native Georgian and the only daughter of Jeanette and Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A Incorporated. Trudy has held various roles within Chick-fil-A, including that of a restaurant operator, and she and her husband, John, served as missionaries in Brazil, and later they co-founded LifeShape and Impact 360 Institute. She is a speaker, author, dedicated wife, mother of four, and grandmother of 15. You can find out more information at TrudyCathyWhite.com. So we really hope you enjoy this conversation about her brand new book, Climb Every Mountain. Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast. How do you walk through the challenges of life as a Christian? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today in this podcast, and I'm so excited to have Trudy Kathy White here with us today in studio, which is so fun, talking about her brand new book, Climb Every Mountain. So Trudy, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. Great to be here with you. Awesome. Well, what I'd love to do is start off just by tell us a little bit about this book and why you decided to write it, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, well, I got this idea that I'd like to write the book right after the death of both my mom and dad. You see, mountains have always been very significant to me. When I was a little girl, I looked out in my backyard, and there's this massive mountain in the backyard. We used to climb all the time. The funny thing about it is that right now, John and I actually built our house on that mountain, and it literally is just a small hill. (laughs) But when I was a little girl, it looked like a massive mountain. Mountains have always been a part of my life. I remember going to camp in the summertime and uh, seeing the beautiful mountains in North Carolina. John and I were missionaries in Brazil, and we lived in Rio for several years and surrounded there for beautiful mountains. Uh, We also built us a cabin more recently up in North Georgia and a place to kind of get away for a little while, and mountains are there. So all these times that I've viewed mountains in my life, I've kind of seen them as a symbol of two things. One is I feel like they really represent something of God's character, His consistent way that He loves all of us. He is unmoving, unchanging. And I just love that thought about the Lord, how all-knowing, how all-powerful, and how all-loving He is. But at the same time, I can look at mountains, and they look like they really represent challenge. I look at life, and I realize that life is hard, and it's difficult. And so I've kind of, as I begin to think about this idea of writing the book, I wanted to help the readers to be able to understand that when we live life, there's going to always be mountains, but they're a wonderful reminder about how God wants to join us in this journey of life. No, that's that's really great. I love images. For me, that's rivers and streams and oceans. I mean, those that's kind of the dominant image in my life, yeah. which is interesting. And so I, I love that imagery, and it's such a helpful kind of picture to talk about those things. You know, you're the only daughter of Truett Cathy, uh, founder of Chick-fil-A, yeah, right? Right. So what was it like growing up on the family farm with your brothers and watching the growth of the family business? I'm sure that's people would love to kind of peek behind the scenes and hear a little bit about that. So what was that like? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I could sum up uh, my time in growing up as a child was really fun uh, growing up. Mom and dad made life fun. It was a happy place. It was a place where mom and dad loved the Lord and they loved each other. And so that created a real secure place for us as we were growing up. My um, 
parents taught us a lot of things. I think of the word generosity. They taught us to be generous because we watched our parents share everything they ever had with other people. People mm. were always coming over the house. Because we were in the country, we played a lot outside. So we had just about every animal you could name. We had cats and dogs and chickens and pigs. We even had a monkey. We had a parrot. Nice. And, and so it was real country, country living. It was great to share it with a lot of people. My parents also taught us a lot about just being grateful for what we had. It was wonderful to have parents that looked at the Bible and realized the fact that everything God created, He has uh, given to us to manage and to steward well. And and so they've taught us to be grateful for what we have. Our blessings have come from the hand of God. Mm -hmm. But I think the most significant thing for us is the fact that our home was grounded on a Christian faith. Mom and Dad taught us the truths from God's Word, and that was pretty powerful for us. So there never was a real separation between the Christian faith in our personal walk versus the Christian faith in our professional walk. And uh-huh. so uh, for those of you who know Chick-fil-A, you know what we stand for. You know that the purpose behind our our business is really not so much about chicken, but it's about glorifying God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and have a positive influence on other people's lives. And so if you know anything about family business, you know that means that the family's involved in the business. Right. And so we have done that from early on. My dad opened his first restaurant at the age of 25 as a single young fella. Several years later, he got married. So my mom became a waitress in his restaurant. And then when children came along, myself and my two brothers, we actually used to sing for the customers, if you can imagine. My dad <laughs> would bring us up to the restaurant and stand us up on a table and let us sing for, for the customers. So we grew up in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched my dad work long hours. We watched how he took care of the customers, how he related to team members. So we learned a lot about our work ethic. We learned a lot about relationships and how to value those and how to be respectful to other people. So it's been fun to be a part of the business. We didn't watch it grow up. We actually grew up in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually became a Chick-fil-A operator when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I was home for the summer after my freshman year at Sanford University, and my dad was talking about we were getting ready to open another Chick-fil-A store at Century Plaza Mall. Back in those days, it was mall units. And right. So my dad said, you know, he's looking for somebody. I said, why don't you let me be the operator? I was 19 years old. I thought I could take the whole world on my own. I was very confident in myself. And so dad said, well, okay, I, you know, I'll let you. We had a kind of had agreement going on, though he said, you can only have the restaurant for a year, wanted me to go back to school and finish my education. Second thing he said, you know, you can't call me crying if you've got problems. You've got to make sure that you stand <laughs> on your own two feet and get things taken care of. And and then I had to go through training just like all of our operators. So that was really my a great introduction really into the business. It was really where I first drew my very first paycheck, official job mm-hmm. with Chick-fil-A, I guess you could say. Through the years, more recently, you know, my brother's very hands-on in the day-to-day management side of the business, but I am working on philanthropic opportunities that we have. We have been taught to understand that Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. So Mm -hmm. we are always, through Chick-fil-A and our business, we're always looking for ways we can have a positive influence on other people through taking care of their needs. John and I both started two nonprofits. One, of course, is Impact 360 Institute, which we absolutely love and glad that you're a part of the team as well on this. Yeah, well, it's it's so fun to see just those those values and what you saw modeled. Yeah investing in the next generation and then creating environments and opportunities and experiences and, and, and all of that, seeing that come to fruition. So fun right. to be a part of on a day-to-day basis yeah. here awesome. with students. And and that effect continues to mm-hmm. kind of snowball and kind of ripple effects through generations, which is really, really fun. Sure. You know, as you think about it, how do you think identity is impacted in the way that obstacles show up in life? You know, how does 
that's kind of a forging process, you sure. know, not always comfortable. But talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I always think about when any one of us, when we face the challenges of life, we are looking through the lens of who we are. And I think that's why identity is such a big deal, that we have to know our identity to understand what we're dealing with in life. People often come up to me and they'll introduce their children to me and the parents will look at their children and they say, this is Miss Trudy. So do you know who she is? <laughs> it's kind of interesting that they start the introduction that way. And then they'll go on to say, well, well she's the daughter, you know, the founder uh, of Chick-fil-A. But in my mind, I'm saying, you know, well, that is a role that I play. That is a connection that helps people understand something about me, but it really doesn't define who I am. You know, I am a wife, I am a mother, I'm a grandmother. Kind of who are you is a loaded question mm -hmm. in and of itself. But what defines us in our identity is not necessarily those roles and the responsibility as much as it is who created us, who made us. When we were growing up, my brothers and I, when we would walk out the back door, my mother made a habit of always being right there at that back door. And as we would walk out, she would say, remember who you are and whose you are. And that has been the thought that has helped me to define my identity more than anything, that it's not about who I am, but it's about who God is and how he created and wired me, the giftedness that he's given me. So, you know, sometimes you tend to compare yourself to other people and you kind of feel like, do I ever really measure up? But when you base your identity on the way the world sees it in terms of, you know, what you do and your responsibilities, then uh, you do have that kind of skewed view, I guess, of your identity. But when you base it on the fact that uh, God created you and God sees you as his child, then it's, it gives you a whole new perspective for life and how to forge through a lot of challenges that you face in life. Absolutely. And that's such an important message and reminder for us all to learn. I mean, mm -hmm. with the power of social media and Instagram and Facebook and everything you see, wow, here's what everyone else is doing. Right. Here's everyone else's perfect families, quote unquote. They've all <laughs> gone on the perfect family vacation and the perfect family photo. Yeah. You don't see all the, the, the crying and the gnashing of teeth right. that took it to get to that moment, you know, and, and then we can compare ourselves to that. And so identity is such an important question that we all have to ask and mm -hmm. answer. And I found, I don't know if you would agree with this, how, how have you kind of asked and answered that at different seasons of life? You know, as a teenager, it's yeah. like it's that first step of who am I really? Yeah. But then it's it, it takes on different forms. Does, do you have any thoughts on kind of what that's looked like and how you maybe – thought through that question in different seasons? Yeah, I think when you're, you're younger and you're asking whoever you are trying to, to, to search it out and you, you look around and you're kind of learning from, from other people, as you get a little older, I think you realize that, that you know, there's some unique things that God has gifted each one of us for. And the Bible talks a lot about the fact that you know, God has a purpose for each one of us, a, a plan a, to be able to use us. That's the reason he gifted us and wired us the way he did. And so as you get older, you begin to get you try to zone in a little bit more on your passions and your, your giftedness, not trying to see how can I be like somebody else, but how can I be all that God has created me to be? And that's a season that has allowed us even to launch Impact 360 by John and I realizing, well, we love investing in the next generation. We love trying to help young adults discover things about themselves. And so the Lord can do some great things when we take our eyes off ourselves and be able to ask those kind of critical questions in life. Absolutely. That's, that's super helpful. Well, of all the spiritual mountains that you've climbed, which would you say was the hardest for you to get to the top of, to summit? 
Yeah, well, yeah, there, there, I, I do in my book speak a lot about a lot of different mountains. Maybe this one is the hardest, mainly because it's probably the freshest, but that is the mountain of loss, mm. that when we go through loss in life. And you go back when you're a little, little child, sometimes, you know, you remember those times you lose your blanket or you lose that special stuffed animal. That's a big deal to you when you're little, you know, and uh, you can shed a few tears over that. You get a little older, and in high school, I think that a lot of times we, we see the fact that maybe we— we learn as a, if we're playing sports, we learn how to lose a game. Um, mm-hmm. Loss can be difficult there. Maybe your best friend in school moves away, their family moves away, and that's a significant loss in a relationship. But those losses become even greater when you get older in life. There's the loss of a job. There's a loss of a, a loss of even health. Good health mm-hmm. uh, can be damaging to you when you realize, you know, you get this awful report from the doctor. Maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer. We walked that road with my husband. And, and so mm-hmm. these are losses, but I think probably the loss we always go to first is maybe death and having lost both my mom and dad within 10 months apart from each other just a few years back was a significant journey. But irregardless of what mountain I think that we're climbing, there's something about difficulties that draw us closer to the Lord. And I think that I know for myself, I grow more in the hardships of life than I do in the ease of life. And so when when life gets challenging for me, it's the time that I realize I need to lean in hard to recognize that God is about some work in my life. He wants to teach me more about Him and more about myself and my hardships. No, that's that's really, really helpful. I wish it were the case that the comfortable times is like, oh, well, let's grow then. But yeah. It's usually, it's those mountains, it's those hardships, it's those unexpected things. You know, as you think about this, how do you, I guess, when you get news you didn't, I mean, somebody's probably listening to this podcast right now, and maybe they've recently heard news that they never wanted to hear, or mm-hmm. there's a situation they're facing. How do we be both honest with our emotions and what we're feeling in that moment, mm-hmm. but also faithful in that sense? Do you have any thoughts on kind of how you've kind of walked through that and kind of navigated that? Yeah, well, you know, it reminds me of a story of my, my dad. When my dad opened his second restaurant, he got a call in the middle of the night that his restaurant was on fire and it had burnt to the ground. Mm-hmm. And in his book, when he talks about this story, he has this line there and he says, you know, it wasn't a good time to have a fire. But then again, there's never a good time for a fire. <laughs> and so when we think of hardships for some of you that might be listening and you're going through a difficult time, it maybe has come very unexpected to you. Uh, for me in my life, when John got the call that he had cancer, I was totally unexpected. He was feeling great. He didn't expect that kind of news. And I think maybe I go back to how I look at mountains when you think, okay, this is unexpected news has come my way, and it's hard. It's going to be difficult. You wouldn't choose it. You wouldn't want to walk through it. But then you realize, you know, those mountains, as strong and sturdy as they are, the very God that made them is the God that will be right beside you as you walk through this. And I think there's nothing wrong at all about questioning God. A lot of times we'll say, why, Lord, is this happening to me? Uh, But some years ago, somebody challenged me in my thoughts of that and said, sometimes if we can change our perspective just a little bit and we can say, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me through this? Uh, There's always something to be learned in our difficulties, in our climb. And so that has been very helpful for me as I've walked through unexpected affliction, difficulties, unexpected circumstances to realize that God is about this for my good and for his glory. And if I can just recognize the most important tool in this climb is to depend on him. And God will walk us through it. Amen. No, that that is so encouraging. All right, have there been any passages from Scripture that have been especially precious to you that maybe you return to? That you know, when there's hard times or when there's challenges or these mountains, is there a verse or two that 
that you kind of keep going back to? Yeah, there, you know, there's several. A lot of times when I'm working with young people and they're kind of not sure about what the direction is ahead of them, I take them to Isaiah, and there's a verse there that says, whether you look to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. There's such clarity there that God says, you know, if you will follow me, I will lead, and you will know the path that you should go on. There's another verse in Isaiah that talks about, you know, when you walk through the waters, God will be with us, mm-hmm. that when we pass through the rivers, the water will not overcome us, and that we we walk through the fires, we will not be burnt. And that's so encouraging to me to know that as bad as things seem around me, God is taking care of me and walking through it. Here's the thing I've learned about walking through difficulty is that in the middle of it, you just don't want it for anybody and you don't enjoy it. But sometimes when God takes us through our difficulty, we have a chance to kind of look back over our shoulder. We realize that, wow, there was really something I learned in that. And and actually, maybe I'm better for having been down that path. So that's really great. I think the last verse that through this writing this book that seems very appropriate is the verse from Psalm 121 that says, I will lift up my eyes into the mountains. Where does my help come from? Mm. And that's what we ask ourselves when we're in the midst uh, of difficulty is, wow, where, where am I going to get help? And the verse goes on, my help comes from the God who made heaven and earth. Absolutely. Amen. Well, my guest I'm talking to today is Trudy Kathy White. We're talking about her brand new book, Climb Every Mountain. And, you know, as you think about this, what are, what are three pieces of equipment that we need to face, climb, and conquer the mountains that God has put before us? You know, what are some things that we need along the way? Yeah. Well, I think that when we go through trials, they always produce certain tools that are going to be important to us. And I've kind of mentioned in my book, I've kind of based this on the three pillars that we've used for our curriculum here at Impact 360 with our fellows program. There are three words, know, be, and live. And I think that one of the tools that we all need to understand is the truth about knowing God, know who He is, and understand the importance of having a personal relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. The second tool I think that's super important is the tool of be, that we would be transformed in our character to let the challenges and the mountains that we face have an opportunity to change us in our life, to make us better and not bitter in life. Hmm. Uh, And the third would be that we are able to live a spirit-empowered life for kingdom impact. So it's a tool that once we know the truth and once we found ourselves being changed in life, we can live life to the fullest. Jesus said, I've come for you to have life and to have it abundantly. Mm -hmm. And that means to live it to the fullest potential. Many years ago, I brought home a poster for my dad, and it's a poster of a a man climbing the side of a mountain. And the caption underneath that said, no goal is too high if you climb with care and confidence. And so I think the biggest tool that we get in this climb that's important is the tool of dependency on God, to recognize that as we climb these mountains, we can depend on the Lord. Absolutely. And it's fun for me to kind of have a front row seat in this as I watch, because each each class of our new fellows, you know, students from around the country and literally around the world, uh, you and John will have the opportunity to share with them at the beginning of their journey a right. little bit. And mm-hmm. then and also to share these kinds of things with them as we're kind of that nine months with us is kind of drawing to a close. And, you know, so it's so fun. And I'm really glad that you were able to kind of capture some of these in a book to be able to share some of this and talk to us because it's such valuable insight and wisdom and Really love watching you get to share those important truths that we just need to know, yeah, right? For with, sure. with these with these students, you know, you tell many stories in your book, you know, and as a wife and a mother of four, maybe share some of the wisdom that you've gleaned about marriage and parenting along the way. I know there's a lot of people listening who would benefit from that. 
Yeah, well, when you think about marriage, for me, marriage is all about commitment. Anything worth investing in is worth dedicating your time to. And John and I have been married for over 40 years, and we're still working hard at our marriage. Even our children are grown and gone, and you would think, well, you know, you got it made after you've been married that long. But we find that every day we have to work really hard at that relationship to keep that commitment really strong. I like to remind parents that, you know, there are no perfect people, so there's no perfect marriage. And that's really important for us to remember that I think when it comes to parenting as children, we realize the fact that it can be super frustrating, I think, to have children around how you're always trying to tell them what they need to do and how to help them. And sometimes you kind of feel like, oh, I don't even think my children are listening to me. And that's probably true. A lot of children don't listen to the parents. But the one thing you need to realize, they're always watching their parents. Mm. And so the kind of children that you want to have, you need to model that really well from them. My parents were were great at that. We didn't have a lot of rules growing up around our home, but we had some significant role modeling happening with our parents. So parents need to be very much aware. If there are things you don't want your children to do, you probably should shouldn't be doing them and mm. set the example right off the bat for them is extremely helpful. No, that's that's really encouraging. You know, as you talk about kind of continuing to work on your marriage and things like that, what are your personalities like? You know, your personality versus John's and how have you navigated some of those things that aren't aren't right or wrong yeah. categories that are just different? We see things differently. Maybe maybe share a little bit of insight about how you guys have kind of learned and discovered, but also maybe adjusted or grown through that. Oh yeah, for sure. We you know, we are we are very different. But they say, you know, opposites oftentimes will attract. I wouldn't say we're complete opposites, but John is very meticulous. He's extremely organized, he's a planner and he thinks through everything. I'm a little bit more more flexible, kind of go with the flow. I love to be around people. John gets charged up by being kind of quiet. And and so we have to balance that every once in a while. When I want a bunch of people to come over and hang out, he's kind of like, <laughs> I'm kind of done with people for a little while. Can I take a rest? You know, and so we have to meet a happy balance on those things. Just most recent story, I'm, I'm busy autographing my new books that have just come out. And John has been helping me in the system. And he created kind of a system to be able to help me be able to do it faster. <laughs> and he wasn't around the other day when I was trying to do some signing. So I just created my own system. And when he came home, he said, oh, man, this is a terrible system. See, I'd try to get, get the system back in, in place again. So, you know, you just kind of have to have a little, little give and take. And here's the most important thing that I've had to learn through marriage is that it's not about John making me happy. It's about how can I help him? How can I be a helpmate to him? And how can I adjust myself so that he's a better man of who he is? I try to be John's number one cheerleader. I fail at that a lot of times. But to be his cheerleader and his encourager is what he needs from me for sure. No, that's super encouraging. What about this? Let's say there's a, a mom out there, maybe a, a new mom and the whole parenting. Are there, is there any advice that you would have, I mean, just specifically to her as a mom and, and the, the role and the opportunity that she has in terms of kind of raising that next generation? What might be something you share with her? Yeah, well, I would tell any mom to realize the fact that they've got to take care of themselves so they can take care of the family. You know, it's been said, you know, mothers can never get sick. You know, you can't yeah. ever take a break off. You know, you're you're on 24-7 all the time with your family, with your spouse, with your children. But it's going to be important that you take care of your own self emotionally and spiritually and physically. So that's super, super important. I think another thing for moms to remember is to stay committed to your marriage. It's the very best gift you can give to your children is your love for your spouse and and so you have to continue to work on that as well. I think the last advice I would say to moms and parents in general is to live a consistent life. One of the things I admire so much about my mom and dad is how they were able to be very consistent in how they went about doing life. And I love the little story about the little boy and little girl that go to church with their parents. And the little girl asked the pastor after church, she said, 
is there any way our family could just move into church and live here? And the pastor was kind of taken back and he said, well, you know, why would you want to live here at church? And they said, oh, my mom and dad are so much better at church than they are at home. You know, they <laughs> act so much better. And so, you know, the deal is that to be consistent in life is, is real important. So moms have to work hard at that. And I just want to encourage moms anywhere that it is a God-given responsibility to care for your children. And children are given to you for a season of time. So you don't know how long your children will be with you. And so make that investment that's so important in their lives while they're young so you can reap the rewards and the benefits of it when they're older. That's very, very good advice. And I love that. You know, what encouragement would you share with those who are facing a particularly daunting mountain right now? Let's just say they're you know what? They're just walking right into that one. Is there, how would you, if you were just going to sit down across from coffee and there's like, I don't even know what to do with this. Where would yeah. you tell them to start? Well, I think I, I think I would say I've got a little bit of good news for them. One is I would say they're not alone in this. Mm. So sometimes that's the hardest part is thinking there's nobody else that can understand this, but you're not alone in whatever you're facing. Somebody else has already gone, gone down that path for sure, but the very one who created the mountains is the one that created you. And God wants to be an integral part of your life and be very involved with your details. And so he's concerned about the things that concern you. He is a God of great love, and through his son, Jesus Christ, he has come to help us navigate this thing we call life. And so it's wonderful to know that you can face life with the assurance that God is there with you. He says, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And that's so encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging for those maybe that are listening that are right in the midst of difficulty as well. And to know that God is faithful and he will be there for you. That's really good news, and that's, those, we all need to hear those words. It's almost it'd be great if somebody could just, we hit the circumstance, the unexpected news or obstacle, and then somebody hits play, and you're like, I'm with you. Yeah. Signed, God, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, it's, and I'm aware of that, and right. it's not a surprise to me. And so, yeah, it's, it's you know, because we all, you know, we live in a fallen world, right? We talk mm-hmm. a lot about biblical worldview here at Impact 360, right. and that arc of, you know, creation, there, there is a way things ought to be, but then there's a fall where yeah. things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Right. And then there's redemption and God is beginning to make those things again, the way they're supposed to be. And one day restoration, they'll all be the way they're supposed to be. That's right. And I love uh, just the image of, of the mountains and the book you've written that really kind of point us towards God's faithfulness mm-hmm. in the midst of that. Cause it's so important in the valleys to be able to remember that God is with us in those moments. And I really, really appreciate the message that you have here. You know, we live in a culture, this hyper busy, super information overload culture, and there's lots of definitions of success out there, you know, and, and what people are aiming at. What, what would you say reflecting on life and ministry? And you've been a missionary, you've been a mom, you've been married for, you know, 40 years, you've been, you're a grandparent. What is success? Like, what would you encourage us in to help us orient towards in this? Yeah, the, the world has a lot to say about success, but we don't talk as much often about significance. And I think the real focus of life needs to be on how can life be significant for us. My dad used to have this saying to me oftentimes when I was young all through life. He used to tell me, he said, Trudy, if you'll help other people get what they want in life, you'll get what you want 
out of life. I think that the message my dad was trying to drive home to me, it's not about success as the world sees it. It's about significance. It's about investing in the lives of other people. It's about putting God first and others before yourself. And when I can be sensitive to what other people need and want to accomplish and do in life, and I can help them to be able to navigate that, then I will find real significance out of my own life because I've taken my eyes off of myself and put them on other people. So focusing on significance, far, far better than success. Uh, that's super, super helpful. And, you know, and if you're listening to this right now and you are walking into a challenge or if you're looking at a pretty substantial mountain ahead of you, mm-hmm. you know, we just want you to know that, that God is faithful and that God is available and God is with you in the moment. And that's what I love about the message that Trudy's written about in her brand new book, Climb Every Mountain. And I hope you'll check out and get a copy of that book. You can find information about that in the show notes and link to it here at impact360.org. But Trudy, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness mm-hmm. and just all of the labor and the hard work and your care and investment and generosity in so many ways, just investing in the next generation. We get a front row seat to see that. Yeah. And just thank you for taking some time to talk about this and really appreciate all that, that you've done and continue to do for the next generation. Well, thank you, Jonathan. It's a real honor to be here. It's really my pleasure to be a part of this and be able to share with the audience today. For more information about our on-campus worldview and leadership experiences for students and our accessible online courses like Explore Truth and Explore the Resurrection, visit impact360.org. Impact 360 Institute. Know. Be. Live. Live.